Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Happy to be on here for uh, another mailbag episode and a, a mailbag that is quite loaded. I mean, don't really know how it's going to go week to week, but this week uh, we've got a ton of questions to sort through for for this first episode of basketball and then another episode hitting your uh, feed later, which will be all football. Yeah, Mailbag Friday is Mailbag Weekend. Because <laughs> <This laughs> yeah. there's just so much stuff going on. And then we're going to be moving into to game week here in a couple of days. But let's go ahead and we're going to do the basketball side of things first, Derek. Uh, let me see if I can get to my tweet where all these questions are. Uh, the mailbag is full, that is for sure. Uh, do you see anything you want to lead off with? Let's, let's go Let's go with Kyle's question. Since it, Is that the first one you see there? Uh, I see the one you're talking about. They're, okay. they're all over, though, on my thing. Okay, Kyle says, with the way the basketball roster is constructed, how many threes are attempted made per game? Uh, I guess that's one thing that everybody's going to look at, Derek, is the way that this roster is put together. It's pieced together to play a certain way. Do you see this team getting to 20 a game average? Because we've had games under Cal where they've shot 10 threes. Let's see. Last year they attempted 476 for the season. They played in 25 games. My math says that was 19. Does that sound right? That does sound right. So let's up that to 24 threes. 25. You think they get to 24 25? Surely, yeah, right? I think I so. Think so. Yeah. Do you see any games of 30? Because that would, uh, Cal's probably got bells going off if if they're attempting 33s. I think if they're attempting 33s, Cal's are going to feel like they're going to lose that game just from some of his comments. Dude, the, the Alabama, crazy. 912 attempted threes last year. Auburn was second most in the league with 751. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually did the basketball preview for Alabama for our yearbook not too long ago. And um, um, I might be screwing this stat up. They had a lot of interesting three-point stats, but I think that was the second most attempted threes ever in SEC history for a season, I want to wow. say. So, yeah, it was up there. I mean, clearly, I mean, Auburn is a team out in my head when I think about Auburn, they attempt a lot of threes. And then you look at the, the differential, 912 to 751. And, of course, Alabama played more games, uh, probably significantly more games than Auburn, um, really. But either way, yeah, um, 24 to 25 sounds right to me for Kentucky. And then moving on here, we have two questions that involve Brad Calipari, who was – named a graduate assistant to the basketball coaching staff this week. I'm going to put these together. One's from Dan and one is from Keith. Dan says, do you see Brad Calipari getting a D1 coaching job in the next five years after being a GA at UK for the next couple of seasons or so? And then Keith says, with Brad as a GA, does that guarantee Cal staying to see him through? Uh, I'm going to say he probably doesn't get a D1 head coaching job in five years. I, maybe a D1 assistant job. Yeah, I couldn't figure out if that's what that question was asking because he didn't specify head coach. I feel like maybe assistant. Um, let's see, Brad's probably what 24, 23. I don't know how old Brad is. He's probably 23 or 24. Yeah, somewhere in that um, Yeah, I could see him. I mean, if he does a good job here, obviously his dad has a ton of connections. Um, and he's been around the game his whole life. So I think if he's a natural fit coaching, then I, I think that's reasonable to think he could be uh he could be a D1 assistant. And it doesn't mean like a power five D1 assistant, but yeah. at a school like Detroit, just throwing it out there, like maybe if Mike Davis is still there, I mean, who knows? It's five years is a long time in the coaching world, but um, I think that's reasonable to expect. Yeah, I don't, that's not really that uncommon anymore to have people in their late 20s uh, 
as D1 assistants. How long until we get the Brad Calipari, John Calipari's replacement at Kentucky? <laughs> Yeah, who's, who's the real coach cow now that's what you gotta ask yeah they got they got two there. coach cows yeah you gotta uh and uh, for the other question like typically a ga is not there any more than two years so i don't think i don't think uh the timeline really changes no for cal, I, brad being there the next move would be if he if he's good enough and proven himself enough Derek. To, if there's an assistant coaching position open up does he get that i don't know how that works with you know him being family and everything i, I don't really know uh what all that would how all that would shake out, but uh, definitely a cool thing to see Brad on staff. I put that in a little rundown episode on Thursday that I thought it was a really you cool know, thing. He's getting the attention, but Riley, I mean, Riley Welsh is just as his, his dad has the bloodlines too, as an NBA assistant. Riley is, I think he's got a very bright future as a coach and it'll be interesting to see just, you know, so many of Cal's guys have gone on to, have NBA careers, you know, they've made a lot of money. Some of them have, but it'll be interesting to see as Riley and Brad, if, if they're successful enough as coaches and they move through the ranks, how they assemble their staffs moving forward, how much UK flavor is involved. If Joel Justice, for example, becomes a head coach in three years, could Riley, you know what I mean? I just yeah. think it'll be fun to, and cool to see those connections and, and follow those careers. Absolutely. And then we have a, a couple of questions here, too, that I'm just going to put together. Marvis says, time to start worrying about basketball recruits. And then there's another one here. UK Shane says, when do you say the first commitment in basketball will be? Memphis is killing it in recruiting. Why ain't we heard anything about Kentucky? So putting those two together, Derek, I, I don't I'm not ready to say that it's time to worry because I still think Kentucky's in great position with some guys. I um, mean, Case and Wallace and stuff visiting Kentucky. Uh, we have reports, Paul Biancardi, that Shaden Sharp is going to visit Kentucky again for a second time. Uh, Memphis is killing it. I mean, Memphis is on a on a roll right now. They've shot up in the top ten of everyone's preseason rankings after Imani Bates and Jalen Duran, and rightfully so. But I don't think it's time to panic yet because some of Kentucky's best classes haven't had even one commitment to this point in the past. Now, if if you're into the early signing period, and there's no one or there's maybe one other guy, then maybe you can panic. Or if a Derek Lively goes elsewhere or a Shaden Sharp surprises everyone and doesn't end up at Kentucky, that's when I'd panic. But I still think that Kentucky's in great position with these guys, Derek. And then I would say a first commitment, honestly, before before mid-September, September's up is how I would – that's just me just reading the the room here. I mean, if Shaden Sharp is visiting the U.K. unofficially again on his own dime, like probably tells you where that one's heading. So he's the number one player now at Rivals. So all these questions concerned about recruiting, I think, will stop as long as he commits. Um, I want to throw. I think he will. I want to throw Go Big Blue Blues question in there too. Should we be worried that no one is committed yet besides Sky for twenty two? No, no. I'm just trying to make sure we get all these questions that way we're not redundant with uh, with everything that we're saying. And then keeping it on recruiting, JD Hall. With Bradley, talking about Jaden Bradley, including Kentucky in his top five, are they still a contender, or has Kentucky moved on to Wallace and Smith, leaving the door open for Bradley to Alabama? I, I don't think Jaden Bradley's going to be a Kentucky Wildcat, Derek. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I definitely think uh, it, it would be surprising if they didn't get Casey Wallace or Nick Smith. If they struck on both those guys, that would really surprise me. And, of course, Clark's already committed. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't see – Jaden Bradley going to Kentucky. 
No, and, and back on Shaden Sharp for a moment, Connor asked, how do we navigate the area of predicting and wanting Shaden Sharp to come to Kentucky without ruining his college decision experience? It seems like he's deflecting that he's a locked Kentucky every chance he gets. You got to think at some point it gets to him. I mean, it, it, it's sometimes you, you don't have many. There are some recruits, Derek, where you, you have no clue where guys are going. Like Jalen Duren, like I think a lot of people, Memphis was what everybody's guess was in the end, but there was a point leading up to that where a lot of national guys, one would say Kentucky, the other one would say Memphis, someone said Miami. With Shaden Sharp, it's been Kentucky all the way. Some guys, it just leaks out, and you just kind of know for months where they're going. But then it's suspenseful. Like, I remember Scott Clark, when he committed to Kentucky, he had a school to his list just to add suspense. Yeah. I, again, I said this on another episode. I just don't think that, like, that's a factor at all. I mean, I'm sure every kid wants to have suspense, wants to get as much attention as possible to their announcement. But, like, at the end of the day, they're going to still go where they feel most comfortable. And I see no reason that just because fans assume he's a lock or media assume he's a, assumes he's a lock that he's going to change his mind solely just to surprise people. I just don't think that's how it works. No. So, I mean, it. I just – yeah, I mean, I think he's still going to be a U.K., uh, regardless of what fans say or presume that he's going to be there. I, I just uh, – you're right. I mean, there have been guys like Michael Kick Goldchrist to me who's like as big of a lock as possible. And he committed earlier. I mean, he committed, what, a full year out, I think, from yeah. – or, no, I guess just a few months out since he was a junior. He, he um, committed in April or whatever, oh. the same day as Brandon Knight, and then committed and then signed that fall. Carl Anthony Towns um, is a lock too. Yeah, like there are guys – I mean, I think DJ Wagner is kind of the same way if he goes to college. Um, haven't really heard as much about him, but, yeah, I, that's not something I'd worry about if you're a fan. I mean, I, worry about something else. Worry, yeah. worry about the three-point attempts per game or something. Don't worry about Shaden Sharp. Yeah, uh, I agree with that 100%. Uh, Tanner Hall says, any positive basketball news coming soon? Feels like things are dragging out longer than expected for recruits. And then I think uh, Ryan Ryan had the same thing. Sean, what's the scoop? Good news coming in two to three weeks. Uh, Derek, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you like I said, you think with, with him visiting Kentucky on his own dime, again, unofficially, one would expect that to be coming pretty soon, right? Yeah, I mean, I think – Wallace visiting now, I mean, something has to come pretty soon. So we know Wallace won't be announcing until November, right, if it stays yeah. the way he wants it to. So, you know, he'll, you'll have him in November. Um, Bona is still out there, right? He'll be visiting the U.K. soon. Uh, Nick Smith. I mean, there are still a lot of guys on the board. Like, I, you said something earlier, this, which I think probably sums up every single recruiting question. Like, when these guys start going elsewhere, I don't see the reason to panic or worry. Whether Shaden Sharp commits – committed two weeks ago or commits two weeks from now like does that really matter in the long game like you just want him to be committed right I mean uh just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that UK is slipping it doesn't mean that you know just because UK is sitting at one commitment right now I really think a lot of this it seems to me Sean just trying to read the tea it seems like people are really stressed out that Memphis has gotten so many good players and they're worried that UK isn't getting guys but like I'm still going to sit here and say when we get to next April, like I feel very good that UK will have no worse than the number two class in the country next year. And I'm going to guess probably number one. Yeah. So 
Well, and I wouldn't worry here on August 28th that the class doesn't have five commitments right now. And you mentioned Memphis. And like I said, I, I think that is the only reason that's in, that's the only thing that's induced panic with Kentucky fans. And, and it's not even for this class. Right. I mean, it's for this season, which Kentucky had already wrapped up. Uh, but back to Final Four, he says, I would like you and Derek, your, your and Derek's candid take on how the manner Memphis was able to secure commitments from Duran and Bates, essentially and blatantly paying two recruits via FedEx. Again, please comment candidly, and how does UK combat this going forward? I don't I don't know all the details of that story because my understanding is the person that wrote it just like straight up deleted it out of the <laughs> story, which is very unethical to begin with. So I don't – if they used – I don't know, man. Like I, my take on it, like the NIL is like kind of like the Wild West, and it's just – I don't think there's going to be much policing – in regards to that. And um, I guess my take would be if there's not going to be much policing and they're able to use FedEx as a, as a recruiting tool, then I would guess Kentucky needs to find their own thing, right? To yeah, some of that referee ice that. cream in there. Yeah. You got to figure out some other way. Um, I don't know this, this bait stuff, like obviously Duran is a guy they really wanted. Was he even recruiting Amoni Bates? Like did they ever like spend much time on him? I, I told, I think I told you one day on here that I remember being in Atlanta with uh, Kyle Tucker, Ben Roberts, and a bunch of us. And the only coach that was even watching Imani Bates was Tom Izzo. Yeah, like and, I think it's been the number long one player because yeah, everybody just kind of assumed that he was professional. So I don't, I don't even consider Kentucky as that a that as being a big news miss for Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I, I apologize that I don't have a better. I guess the most blunt way I can put this is I don't care about the cheating stuff probably as much as fans do. No. Maybe I'm cynical. I just feel like it happens everywhere. It's and, always uh, been there, too. It's yeah. always been there, and it always will be. I don't get hung up on on getting upset about how whatever schools do to get kids. So that's probably as blunt as I can answer that question. And we're going to stay on the 2022 recruiting topic. That And this mailbag might be shorter, too, because a lot of these questions are similar because we're just grouping them into it. Uh, Wesley sends a question in. We heard about the momentum the staff was building with these 22 guys over the summer, and we still appear to be in good shape. But I feel like the fan base is itching for a few commitments. He's, he's right there. because Definitely, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> They are. Because, and a lot of it is Memphis has kind of sped that up. If we land Sharp, Wallace, Bona, and Lively to go along with Sky, then I think this is a mute point. And I believe that's the we're back statement of a class the staff needs and wants to make on the recruiting trail. We've all agreed with that. If a worst case scenario occurs where Sharp goes elsewhere and one of UNC or Duke gets lively, how much of a setback do you think that is for the staff moving forward? I'm hoping we'll start seeing some fruition of the work they're putting in behind the scenes. Eric, if if Sharp were to go elsewhere, it's our to me it's already a setback. But if you yeah. lose Sharp and you lose you lose lively with Flipowski to Duke or UNC, I think it is a huge setback for the staff, a staff that with Antigua and Chin, that kind of wants to set the tone. And me and you've been talking, they're going to be number one or number two. If they're somewhere in that ballpark, they're fine. If they're, if they're not, and it's hard to see it without Sharp or a Lively in this class, them getting the one or two. I, I think it would absolutely be fair to, to get a little worried if Sharp does go elsewhere at this yeah. point. But Lively, I don't think, has ever been considered 
in the same range of a lock as Sharp has, right? He has. So, I mean, I thought they're still having to really recruit him pretty hard. And I know fans don't love hearing this, but, like, my take on it is if you lose lively to UNC or Duke, like, those are really good schools. And, like, I understand fans, like, wanting to get upset and feel like UK should get everybody. And, you know, if you're going to stay on that mountaintop, you probably do need to win recruiting battles like that. But, I mean, I just don't think there's much shame, I guess, in losing a recruit. But I understand, like, a lot of years, Duke is one of your – or has been pretty much throughout the Cali era. It's been your number one rival in terms of recruiting. So, the optics of of – I guess I'll phrase it this way. While I, part of me thinks if a kid goes to Duke, you can't fault them, I would understand. I guess John Calipari versus John Shire, you need to win that recruitment, I guess is what I would say. That's what it comes down to. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Duke is still a powerhouse. I know UK fans hate Duke, but, like, there should be a, a mutual respect somewhere in there, right, Sean? Like, I mean, those are – it's one of the programs is, you know, it's kind of on UK's level. And uh, I would still say, though, Sharp is the one to to worry about. If he if he goes elsewhere, then I'm well, all four fans being concerned. But at the same time, you're still probably going to get a minimum of, what, four or five stars in that class, yeah. even without either of those two well, guys. The, the thing with Lively, too, is at no point has Lively been a lock. I just think that we all feel, and Kentucky has expressed this as well, people close to the program, that they feel like they're in a great position with Lively. But that's the thing. Like a lot of these programs across the country, Derek, are going to tell you they're in a great position with the five-star guy that they're recruiting. That's what they want to think. But K- Kentucky firmly believes that they are. I think of all the guys, they're in the best shape with Sharp. But I, I think you could probably have a little bit more confidence in some other guys in this class maybe ended up at Kentucky before Lively does. Not to say that Lively doesn't. It's just some of these guys, it's so hard to really know, like a Dimbona and stuff. You could see, like, to me, that guy has Kentucky written all over him. I mean, it would be huge to get Lively. Like, I think that's one of the big shot in the arms. Like, as much as I was saying that, like, you know, there's no shame in losing out, on the flip side, it would be huge. Like, that's a huge PR win if you beat UNC and Duke for a top five player. And they've not really had that as much here lately. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And moving on, staying in the DMs here, Zach says, first of all, I've never seen a coach get so lucky by having such a bad offseason, Penny. <laughs> if I'm Cal, I'm blowing up Penny's phone to schedule a game this season, <laughs> a nut-up or shut-up game. What's your thoughts? What do you think about it? I just think UK's fan base cares way more about Memphis than I do. Like, I, <laughs> It's a big flex, right? Like, who has yeah, the I bigger mean, muscles here? I don't I, – I don't – 
who has more to lose in that game? Is it Kentucky or Memphis? Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cal is not gonna. That's no, an NCAA I... tournament game if it ever happens. Yeah, that's, Cal... I think that's the only way it happens. Cal will have no interest in playing a school he coached for a long time with against. Yeah, there's just no. There's no reason for for Cal to even entertain that. I mean, shoot, dude, wasn't he gonna get inducted in their Hall of Fame and like they threw a huge fit over it and he something happened there, right? I think that's yeah. what it was. He was some. They were supposed to incorporate John Calipari in some way. And people down there got so upset over it that they had to basically call it off. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it was, yeah. but Memphis, if you're Cal, why would you show them any attention after something like that? Well, the thing is, is and the only reason that Kentucky fans are caught up in Memphis is because of Penny. Before Penny was there, did Kentucky fans ever talk about playing Memphis or anything like that? No. Oh. Memphis was the fan base that never could let go of Cal or what in anything in the situation. Zach has another question, too. Do you think Cal taking on players early has hurt his recruitment of the best of the best? Prime example, the freshman class last year was set by the previous December. If you leave your roster spots open, it seems to pay off for other schools. Kids that committed in the spring that we didn't have room for, nor legit blueprints to success. And then he adds Carr, Coburn, Duran, Cunningham, Hardy, the list goes on and on. Remove Wheeler and Shibway, you easily see a spot for Carr and Coburn. I guess what he's trying to ask is like, you know, how a guy like Kofi Coburn becomes available so late or a guy like Marcus Carr becomes available so late. And I guess if you're asking people, it all comes down to who is the better player there. Cause it Marcus Carr, is it Xavier Wheeler? And a lot of people, a hard question. Well, a lot of people would probably pick Marcus Carr, right. Going off his numbers. Yeah. But I, I think it also, you also have to look at it this way as well. Who's the better fit for what Kentucky has on this roster. Is it does, does Kentucky need a Marcus Carr that's average? What do you average, Derek? 17, 18, 19 a game yeah. for Minnesota? Or does it need a guy that is a distributor that gets the ball out of his hands and, and makes plays that way? Uh, Coburn is perfectly, I mean, I think there's an argument there when you're talking about an elite big, but do you, it's harder with the transfer portal to me. It is. You just um, don't know who's going to go in there. I don't. I don't think this is an unfair question. I. I just think it's a very difficult question to. When Oscar Sheboy went to the transfer portal in January, whenever it was, and. You know, early on, you can get a guy like that in the fold. I don't blame, Kentucky for doing that because you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, we're talking like what five months after that when Coburn went in the portal. So, are you going to pass up a guy that's a pretty good player that was, what, the Big 12 preseason player of the year or whatever to hope that some other – that Jalen Derner classifies or hope that a, an All-American big goes in the portal? Like, well, I think it's tough. I think it's tough roster management to to do that. The, the high school stuff's, I guess, a little different, but you're still, I feel like, taking the – I mean, it really, I think, just kind of comes down to trusting your – I know it sounds very cliche, but like you kind of just got to trust the evaluation. And I mean, I think it's very hard to manage. And we're still in the really kind of the infancy of of the transfer portal. So I wouldn't be surprised if schools get a little bit better at kind of identifying what they want um, and and pursuing certain things. But well, here's the it's, I think it's just too easy to look back and say, well, if you didn't have so and so already there, you could have got these other guys. Whenever you aren't for sure what those other guys are going to do, are they going to go to the NBA? Are they going to stay at their school? Like, it, I think it's too many questions to pass up what could be sure things. And a guy like Oscar Shibway, 
sure things in the sense that you know they will come here and they will be on your roster. You don't have to wait around for them. Um, well, that's just my opinion. And, and here's the other side of that too. When when we're talking about Kofi and Jalen Dern, the spin was what Kentucky didn't want Kofi because they wanted to show Jalen Dern they were all in on him. And how'd that turn out? Yeah. So I mean, you just it's such a it's a job that keeps you up at night, no doubt. Like there's there's so much more frustration to me, Derek. I think there's more frustration in the recruiting trail than there are when you're coaching in-game situations and planning to win basketball games in the season. I think the the off-court recruiting is more frustrating than anything that happens within the team. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, moving on, I think we're, we're close to wrapping up here. Ben has a question. Say Sharp and Lively have the same potential all-star ceiling, but say only one can and will play at UK. Who would you rather have and who would be better for brand, team, and NIL? because either could be the first number first one overall player for Cal in a long time. That's mm-hmm. a tough question. That's a very tough question. I said sharp or lively, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say sharp. Um, I think that team will need a, a, a big-time scorer on the wing more so. I mean, you don't turn down elite bigs, obviously, but if we're only able to pick one, like at this point I'm not convinced that – Damian Collins is going to be a one and done. So I could see him still being there. I think Bryce Hopkins could play down low. I think Jacob Topping could play. I, I just think there's going to be more of an emphasis. I mean, think about the guards on this team, Sean. Kellen Grady won't be there after this year. Davion Mintz won't be there. Um, I don't know if he's going to play point or out on the wing, but pretty good chance that I think Ty Ty will be a one and done. So. I know there's talk that Wheeler might leave, but basically I think they're just going to need guards. So I would say having a wing like Sharp is one of the biggest priorities in this class. You can't go wrong with either guy, absolutely, but I would go Sharp. I I think Sharp because I'm I'm with you. I think that that's the position they're going to need because I think you could still – I mean, there's talk, Derek, that – I mean, if Oscar Sheboy's not ready, is he a two-year guy at Kentucky? So you got a big – what about Damian Collins and his development? You've – You've got those pieces. Kentucky would certainly love to have both. Lance Ware. Lance Ware, but I I would still – I'd go Sharp for sure, uh, who is now the number one player in rivals, uh, by the way. So, I think, Derek, I'm pretty sure that concludes everything unless you want to throw – I will say this, uh, Ron Lemon's hair plugs, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? No, I would not. I would not. I would not. And uh, because how much does it take off your life according to recent studies now, Derek? 36 minutes. Well, I've probably lost a lot of minutes of my life then. I've had a lot of hot dogs. Yeah, I mean, you got to think Joey Chestnut. His time is, is ticking. He's he's near the end of his road if that study is accurate. Uh, all those professional eaters, are they're going to be up against it. What, I don't know how you even determine that. So I didn't read the story for that study. I don't know how you even determine. Because there were other foods, either. right, that like added minutes to your life or whatever. Like, I've not had a hot dog in six months. So, I don't know. I dip into some skyline chili every now and then. But I'll, I'll tell you right now that what what's my what would kill me is chocolate Dr. Peppers from Sonic. Hmm. Someone hmm. listening to this show is going to DM me and say that's the most disgusting thing that I think I've ever heard. And the guy at the Lexington Sonic, it blew his mind when I ordered one. It took him he I had to say it five times because he's like, no, there's no way this man just said this to me. <laughs> Don't knock it until you try it. Everyone listen to this podcast. Go to your neighborhood Sonic. This is not an advertisement. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> Go to your neighborhood Sonic and try it. Don't knock it till you try it. Uh, one more. Scuba Steve is Chris Harrison, UK's forgotten son. He was to you. He must be because I've known who he is. So, <laughs> and also, people, you can't hold it against me if I don't know who these guys are before they played before I was even born. So, and I'm not exactly young anymore, Sean. Well, today I'm 27. Happy I guess I'm young. Happy right, birthday you. to you and your verified Twitter account. Well, that is a birthday present from Twitter, I guess. And I'm not going to badmouth Twitter because for some reason <laughs> they won't verify my account. But that's that's Twitter's problem. I'll let them handle that. But I guess we need to dig in more to Chris Harrison's career. I'm sorry. I don't know who he is. So I had to look him up on um, the, the John, what's, what's his name? John Scott, the B, big blue history, whatever. Yeah. Big blue I mean, we're talking about a guy who scored 162 career points in four years. So I know he played a little bit, but uh, Chris, if you're a fan of this podcast, I'm sorry, but uh, I think you are probably UK's forgotten. uh <laughs> Where, where is uh, Tollsboro, Kentucky, by the way? I have no idea where that is. I have no idea where that's at. How do you spell that? Are we sure this guy is a real person? Is this really, he is. Chris really Harrison. Wild? Yeah, I remember Chris Harrison. I don't, I don't remember Chris Harrison, but I've watched some old UK games. He was Chris out there. Harrison, he was out there, yes. I'm trying to remember. What years did he play, Derek? He played from uh, 92 to 95. So he was a part of the, uh, the LSU game. I remember Chris Harrison hitting okay. shots in the LSU comeback. If I'm not mistaken, somebody listen to this podcast that's older is going to probably unsubscribe. Well, you know, you can't. He, he was on that that team. He was Kentucky sharpshooter. Tollsboro, T O L L E S B O R O. Is that near Middlesboro? <laughs> I I just don't know how much of a sharpshooter this guy was. Whenever he made thirty five career threes, how many did he take? 114, 30% shooter. Yeah, that's not very sharp. I mean, he looks like a, as much of a role player as you could have in the 90s. Like, a, I feel bad if this is turning into a Chris Harrison bashing session, but I <laughs> yeah, thought there's going to be people who are like, how the hell do these guys not know their UK basketball history? Well, you think people 20 years from now are going to know who AJ Stewart was in the Billy G era? I mean, there's like, somebody listening there's some the obscure right guys now. out here. There's surprised somebody listening to the show right now that doesn't remember who AJ doesn't know AJ Stewart, uh, Marquinho Williams is that his name. I mean, they're like I can throw some good obscure old, UK basketball players out there for you, but I just don't know Mark Curry, the Mark yeah. Curry first four. He was the first four before we had a first four. He'd play the first yeah. four minutes, you never see him again. <laughs> and then so. he got he had a chance at revenge when he played for Cornell during the Sweet Sixteen. Didn't get it, but. Let's wrap this thing up. We yeah, it's we're off the rails. Chris Harrison bashing. We're going to move on to the football mailbag in the next episode. Uh, he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you then.